Far too often the question is asked how Enoch could have been transported to the Garden of Eden to live out his days as a celestial scribe if indeed the land of Eden was destroyed by the deluge. Post-Newtonian science gets in the way of everything. Don't even get me started on the Copernican revolution. I have several passages affirming Enoch's safe haven there, though haven't yet decided if I will share them with the class. And really the short and easy answer is that the garden, including the divine mountain attributed to it, was lifted up and taken away from the land of Eden. We'll get to that often overlooked detail in a moment, but first I have a confession to make. During the last leg of our conversation, I quoted from a chapter in Jubilees which ensured that the land of Eden would be destroyed, thereby connecting us with the Lemuria and Mu legends, but then I didn't finish the passage. In the following verse, there are more descriptions given, offering us a broader peripheral vision of the greater realm. And he, Enoch, burnt the incense of the sanctuary, even sweet spices acceptable before Yahuwaha on the mount. For Yahuwaha has four places on the earth, the Garden of Eden, and the mounts of the east, and this mountain on which you are this day, Mount Sinai, and Mount Zion, which will be sanctified in the new creation for a sanctification of the earth. Through it will the earth be sanctified from all its guilt and its uncleanness throughout the generations of the world. Jubilees 4, 25-26 Four mountains are described as belonging to Yahuwah, the son of Alahayam, though only three names are immediately mentioned. The garden you know about. It existed at one time in the land of Eden, obviously. Mount Sinai, where the Torah was given, is another. The mountain in the east, which isn't named, appears to be Mount Lubar, resting place of Noah's Ark. Lastly, Mount Zion is mentioned, and wowzers! <laughs> Are you getting those details? It says Zion would be sanctified in the new creation. Wait, what new creation? You can't tell me it's a reference to a renewal after the flood reset because the context has Moshe standing on Mount Sinai, receiving the Torah. Therefore, the Zion being sanctified pertains to the world to come, the kingdom of heaven upon the earth. We have already gone over Mount Zion, the real Mount Zion, as existing in the uttermost north. That would be the blessed land. I may need to flesh out a few of those details again because, like the Garden of Eden, the real Zion appears to double as a floating island. It's cosmic in nature, you know. Elsewhere, I've written an entire biography on the altar of Yahuwah. Recall that Shem School could be found there, which is best explained in that the Melchizedek threshold doubled as a portal into the garden, where class was in session. Nimrod even attempted to duplicate what Melchizedek had going on with the Tower of Babel. Well, quick review. Mount Zion, in the most remote regions, northward, City of the Chief Head, Most Powerful Malak King. Psalm 48, 1-2 from the Paleo-Hebrew. Confirmed. The Mount Zion, which was promised to be sanctified in the new creation, appears to exist in the northernmost remote regions, and headed up by Melchizedek of all people, that being Yehusha HaMashiach during the reign of his kingdom. More quick review before moving on. Every so often I like to dip into the mind of Miss Pamela, the master translator, and manage to Xerox a page from the playbook. In the Paleo, the root of Zion delivers the image of a ship or a dry region in the midst of the waters, telling us that it is indeed potentially transportable. 
My aim is to illustrate why Zion would get up and move from one location to another. Again, you Newton fanboys will have a difficult time wrapping your head around that one. At the threat of sounding like a broken record, the Garden of Eden was a cosmic mountain, as was Zion. The spiritual and the material were in bed together. Then again, Yahuwah had four mountains, and though I'm not prepared to speak on the Ararat region, even the ancients understood that Sinai was a potential sky island, and see for yourself. And Moshe brought forth the people from the camp to meet the glorious presence of Yahuwah. And suddenly, Yahuwah of the world uprooted the mountain and lifted in the air, and it became luminous as a beacon, and they stood beneath the mountain. And all the Mount of Sinai was in flame, for the heavens had overspread it, and he was revealed over it in flaming fire. And the smoke went up as the smoke of a furnace, and all the mountain quaked greatly. Exodus 19.17-18 from the Aramaic Targum The Aramaic Targum has Mount Sinai being literally uprooted and lifted high in the air above the encampment. Accept the claim given to us in the Targum or deny it. I'm not bothered by your decision either way. I, for one, have no problem believing it to be likely if not true. I'm under the impression that all four of Yahuwah's mountains are transferable. Just know that a mountain's ability to be moved and then return to form was upheld by a great many of the Yahudim. It's not like the Eastern religions thought any differently, considering the cosmic uplifting of Mount Maru. And anyways, Yahusha's quip about the faith akin to a grain of mustard seed was probably what a great many of you were already thinking. Then came the Talmudim to Yahusha apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Yahusha said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for Amen, I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, very likely, Yahusha was preparing his Talmudim for the inevitable event the one which required the ultimate moving of a literal mountain. I'm referring to their plight from Yerushalayim during the Roman War, leading up to the temple's destruction in 70 AD. The Mount of Olives moved for them just as Zechariah promised. And you can read about that in the glorious appearing of Yehusha HaMashiach. I just published that book about a month ago at this point. Maybe two months ago, I lose track of time. There's a context to everything, and let's not get distracted by each and every example. Yehusha wouldn't advise that a mountain be moved, unless he himself was either capable or had already done it. One thing is for certain, the Garden of Eden became one such floating fortress. It left the earth and went to heaven. Quoting once more from Book of Creation, The children of Allah Hayyam were driven out of the garden land by spirit beings, and then guardians were set at its gates so no one could re-enter. Then it, Meruah, was withdrawn beyond the misty veil. The water ceased to flow and the fertility departed. Only a wilderness remained. Book of Creation 5.37 Not sure that could be made any more obvious. The cosmic mountain was withdrawn from the material realm, and even to the point that the water ceased to flow, leaving a barren wilderness in its wake. Even if Mesopotamia is the location we're looking for, and I don't believe that to be the case, then good luck finding the four rivers that satisfied the earth. They're gone. The outflow of water was removed, like the mountain itself. The ensuing drought, encompassing all the land of Eden, is further described for us in Yashar. And in those days, there was neither sowing nor reaping in the earth, 
and there was no food for the sons of men, and the famine was very great in those days. And the seed which they sowed in those days in the ground became thorns, thistles, and briars. For from the days of Adam was the declaration concerning the earth of the curse of Allahayam, which he cursed the earth on account of the sin which Adam sinned before Yahuwaha. Yashur 2, 7-8 Seems to me like the good times had come to an end for the residents of Edenland. Never again were they treated to the living waters which they had so greatly enjoyed, while ironically rebelling against the very heaven from which they flowed. There's actually a lot more I want to say about that. Yashur may indeed detail the disastrous end of Lemuria Mu, but to keep us on track, we will save that for another hour. Because look at how the children of Alahayam are chronicled after the disappearance of Mount Maru. The children of Alahayam went to dwell in the land of Amanejil, which is beyond the mountains of Mashur by the Sea of Adelmuna, Book of Creation 537. Look, I haven't the faintest clue where the land of Amanejil is. We are told it lies beyond the mountains of Mashur by the Sea of Delmuna, wherever that is. None of these name drops are helpful at present, as they're completely lost to modern maps. I think what is at least informative is the mention that the children of Alahayam went to dwell in another land. Yes, another. I could take that to mean a continent completely removed from Eden, seeing as how the Delmuna could be a reference to the Black Sea. Though in such an instance, I am more inclined to look towards the Mediterranean. Still, a separate continent needn't be the case. I am beginning to suspect, no, I am finally coming to the conclusion, that the first several chapters of Bereshith all took place on the same continent. Here, I'll show you why. Without throwing another dozen scripture passages at you, each of which play the part of a second witness, here is where Adam ended up after his expulsion from the garden. And Yahuwah Alahayam removed him from the Garden of Eden. And he went and dwelt on Mount Moriah to cultivate the ground from which he had been created. Genesis 3.23, the Targum. Where does Adam return to but the place of his creation? Mount Moriah, which is the same as saying he dwelt upon Mount Zion. The two are inseparable. Both the rabbinical as well as the Christian traditions affirm as much in this instance. So he lived out the rest of his years in Canaan then? That's what I used to think. No, he remained the rest of his days in the land of Eden. But how can that be if Eden was in the east? East of Yasharel in the very least. So far east that it constitutes the land of the sun rising. And certainly Canaan or Yasharel does not. Well, look at what the Christian tradition has to say of their location. Seth and his children dwelt on the mountain below the garden. They sowed not, neither did they reap. They wrought no food for the body, not even wheat, but only offerings. They ate of the fruits and of trees well-flavored that grew on the mountain where they dwelt. Then Seth often fasted every forty days, as did also his eldest children. For the family of Seth smelled the smell of the trees in the garden when the wind blew that way. They were happy, innocent, without sudden fear. There was no jealousy, no evil affliction, no evil action, no hatred among them. There was no animal passion. From no mouth among them went forth either foul words or curse, neither evil counsel nor fraud. For the men of that time never swore. But under hard circumstances, when men must swear, they swore by the blood of Havel the just. Second Adam and Chahua, 11, 10 through 12. 
The mountain which Seth and children lived upon was the mountain of worship, aka Zion. I know it doesn't outright say that here, but you'll have to take my word for it. That or you can do your own research. I have shown the mountain of worship to be the same as Zion in other places. What I primarily wanted you to see this time around is the placement of the garden over the mountain. You see, it was a cosmic mountain, as well as a floating fortress after all, moving where it willed. It moved directly above Zion. The thing is, and this inconvenient fact remained a splinter in my mind for years, the mountain of worship could not have been the land of Yashuel, even if I assume that to be the case. It was the land of Eden. It says so right here. Then Sheth, Cha'ua, and their children came down from the mountain to the cave of treasures. But Adam was the first whose soul died in the land of Eden, in the cave of treasures. For no one died before him, but his son, Havel, who died murdered. Second Adam and Cha'ua, 10, 6 through 7. And there you have it. The entire opening narrative of Bereshith takes place in the land of Eden, which, as I've already suggested, is the lost continent of Lemuria Mu. Saying Mount Zion began in Eden, but then migrated towards the hidden wilderness shouldn't be a leap of logic considering. The Garden Mountain was also lifted up and secured in another location. Whenever that happens, it appears as though a judgment is being pronounced upon the people of that land. Yahuwah removes his favor rises up and moves on. The reason why Eden was never mentioned again as a habitable abode is because the very earth which bore its name ceased to exist after the deluge.